0: Hello, everyone, and welcome
1: back to another awesome episode of the Biff Bites podcast. Uh, in this episode, Adam and Mike have a chance to sit down and talk about inherited IRAs. Uh, they talk about the rules around them and especially the distributions that need to be taken from them. Uh, They talk about what used to be called uh, stretch IRAs and is now the 10-year distribution rule and really get into the nitty-gritty. So hope you enjoy it. And without further ado, here's Mike and Adam.
0: All right. Mike, it is great that we found this time to talk about your favorite CFP topic out there. It's uh, everybody's favorite CFP
1: topic. Everybody. I'm not, I'm, I'm not alone in this. I'm just the leader of the, the band.
0: Yeah. <laughs> CFP boards too, right? So this is 18% of that CFP exam. It's the, the number one consistently. Uh, but yeah, retirement planning. And uh, there, you know, almost in succession, we had two tax releases and notices that uh, just made the, the whole tax nerd community really happy lately. Uh, the first ah. one was we had those inflation adjusted numbers uh, delivered, which are always fun to see. Um, and we're slowly wrapping our head around that. Jerry and I had the chance to talk about that on a different podcast episode. But we're here to look at a couple of topics That were included in a recent irs notice it was irs notice 2022-53 and it covered some rmd issues uh, that were kind of top of mind to the irs and the treasury for years 2021 and 2022 but what a lot of the detail in that document was about uh was about inherited iras and going back to that stretch ira you know closure the death of the stretch ira back with the secure act um, so there is there there's a little nuance mike that i know you mined out from from that notice and um but i thought what we could do is just let's let's start with square one uh where where were things with inherited iras prior to the secure act
1: yeah, well, I'm glad we get to talk about this because it's it comes up uh, with students and clients and when what you say it was 2022 20, 53 was yeah. the public the notice or what, whatever, uh, which actually I think was like in February, but it seems to just like in in the last three or four months we've started talking about it. What does this really mean?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so yeah, just you know, very very quickly um, in the past it was really popular uh, with IRAs and even 401k accounts to stretch out the uh, payments from inherited uh, accounts generationally. Mm -hmm. And and they were called stretch IRAs. And then the Secure Act happened uh, in what was that 2019, uh, I I think. And the Secure Act says, hey, not so fast. Um, We don't like this stretch stuff. So we're going to change this. And if you're not one of the eligible designated beneficiaries um, then you have to drain that inherited IRA within 10 years Um, and that short list of eligible designated that could still stretch would be the the spouse Mm -hmm. uh, of the of the decedent a minor child uh, of that decedent um, a beneficiary who is chronically ill or disabled um, and then other beneficiaries that were younger than the decedent but not more than 10 years younger those are called by the irs eligible designated they can still stretch right yep but for everybody else um the irs says ah wait a minute you're gonna have to drain that thing that you've inherited within uh within 10 years and we all interpret that to mean that i don't have to do anything uh during those 10 years i just have to have the thing emptied Mm-hmm. uh, you know, we call it the 10 year drain. Um, I just have to have it emptied by the end of the 10th year, uh, after the, the year of death of that, uh, the original IRA owner. Okay, great. So now, um, this publication comes out and says, ah, but wait, um, we're going to change that. If the, if the IRA, if the account was already in RMD status, uh, on, so the the person the owner died on or after the required minimum distribution beginning date it's going to work a little bit differently uh for uh for beneficiaries in so that's where we're at now and that's what this publication uh, uh, uh addresses um but that's your understanding too right that it that it, it 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 needed to be in in distribution status
0: uh already do i have that right yeah i believe so uh-huh okay um, yeah and then good good points there just about how those beneficiaries work because i feel like in a lot of the the financial news and you, you heard all right the death of the the stretch ira stretch ira is no more and now there's the 10-year train but it's so important that you know that there's this other category of those eligible designated beneficiaries where that where that's not the case right
1: and it encompasses a lot of the folks who are beneficiaries yeah, of IRAs yeah. and 401k accounts. I mean, particularly the spouse. Yeah. I, I mean, I remember when this hit, it was like clients were freaking out and all. It was like, whoa, 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 who's the beneficiary? Well, my spouse. It doesn't change.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> they can still <laughs> take it um, or treat it as their own, uh, it, it, you know, and not even start the distributions the next year. So just settle down. Uh, but. Yeah, there still continues to be uh, confusion about well, what's this other class? What's this eligible designated? And it's a heck of a lot of the beneficiaries. A very high percentage are eligible designated.
0: Sure.
1: Uh, and that's the focus of this this clarification. Um, and and also to back up on the, on that Secure Act piece is um, the beneficiaries. Of eligible designated beneficiaries, this is like a one and done type of exception. Yeah, uh, they then would be subject to the ten-year drain.
0: Got it.
1: Um, so that's always been that way since since Secure Act. So so what's changed now is that if the account was in already in RMD uh, requirement status, that and they're not an eligible designated beneficiary, those non-eligible designated beneficiaries must take RMDs Mm -hmm. for those first nine years after starting in the year after the year of death of that IRA owner. That non-eligible designated beneficiary must take distributions for the first nine years. Mm -hmm. And then empty the thing by the tenth year. Got it. That's the big clarification that's in this in this publication, uh, and it and it impacts, uh, you know, again that thinking of oh, I don't have to do anything. Sure. Uh, you do. And then my understanding from this is, for twenty twenty one and twenty two, there's going to be some relief because technically, and I'm one of these. I inherited an IRA. Yeah. Um. And and should have. I guess, taken distribution in in, in 2021 and 22. My understanding is there gonna be some relief. So we're not gonna get hit with uh, uh, that 50% excise uh, penalty, Uh, but then moving on in 2023, you're gonna have to do that and then empty the thing by by the 10th. But it's really uh, in this big release this really encompasses about a paragraph (laughs) uh, or or, or two that that clarifies that but we get asked a lot about so we wanted to jump on here and say hey here's you know we're looking at this publication and here's what's in there
0: yeah all all great stuff and um another thing that i think is worth noting is is with with minors right so how does how does this rule affect affect minors right is it is it that they're in that eligible designated beneficiary bucket until age of majority. That's right. Okay. Got it. That's that's So how
1: long they're going to be able to, um, to wait depends on the age, their age at the time of death. They are in the category, totally in the category, but only to age of majority. And then they start the 10 year drain piece with the annual distributions. Got it. Uh, for those first nine years so it's the 10-year clock on that doesn't start Mm -hmm. until they hit age of majority and then the 10-year drain clock starts but they too then would be required to um, to to make those annual distributions so essentially they get kicked out of the eligible designated beneficiary uh, group and they're and they're treated as a non-eligible
0: but the 10-year clock starts at that time got it and another question that I've heard come up with, uh, from planners and practice, also CFP students is, well, what about your Roth? What if, what if you get an inherited Roth IRA account, right? Because one of the, the big pluses for Roth IRAs is that you don't have that RMD requirement, but how does that apply here if it's inherited? What what are the rules?
1: So the Roth IRA uh, is, is, is interesting as it relates to these new clarified uh, rules. Um, because we know that required minimum distributions don't exist during the lifetime of the original Roth owner. And these new uh, regulations having to make annual distributions for the first nine years after the death of the owner and then drain it by the 10th year, um, because a Roth at the death of that original owner, because uh, it, it was not in distribution status. So these new nine years plus 10th year, uh, emptied by the 10th year, that's not gonna to apply to that first beneficiary uh, of, a, of a Roth IRA. Uh, because remember we, we said earlier that these, these clarified regulations only apply when the IRA was in distribution phase, had already attained RMD status, which wouldn't be the case. Uh, at the death of the original owner uh, of the Roth.
0: Uh, so another point to clarify here is when, when we say IRA, right, I think uh, there, there's a lot of people that immediately jump into traditional IRA, uh, but we know that there are different types of IRA accounts. Do, do these rules apply also to inherited SEP accounts, a SEP IRA accounts as well?
1: Uh, yeah, they do. I mean, yeah. IRA is, is IRA and it also applies to um, qualified plan uh, oh, yeah. accounts. So, you know, the most notable being the, the 401k. So absolutely. Yes. It applies uh, across the board with those, uh, with those types of accounts.
0: Excellent. Yeah. This, this is going to help a lot of people because I, I feel like even post secure act, I could remember attending a webinar on this and it it was it was a lot to take in and i'm sure it's it's a lot for other people that are practicing out there and, and preparing for their cfp exam for sure but it seems like there's a, there's a lot of detail you just got to know the rules so that you can share the right stuff with the clients because this stuff this is one of those where if you don't get it right there could be some pretty hefty penalties right
1: Yeah. I mean, 50% (laughs) is like the highest penalty out there as it relates to this kind of thing. So it's, uh, yeah. So you want to know the rules on this, but the nice thing, uh, one of the things I love about teaching retirement at BIF, um, and just retirement subject as well as income tax, um, there's always tons of primary source information to, mm-hmm. to you know. I'm not dependent on the internet. Yeah, to <laughs> learn. I mean, I might get a good summary here or there, but I can always go to the source. Yeah, uh, and 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 find the way. Just like this publication, you know that that we looked at together. It's just like okay, here's the source, and and I can sort it out uh, from there. So we, you know, as an advisor. One doesn't have to guess <laughs> yeah. uh, on this or trust their buddies' uh, opinion uh, about it. It's just like, no, I can go find these documents myself <laughs> and, uh, and, and and go to the source and, and and then and then answer the client. So that is a nice thing about uh, these complicated topics.
0: Yeah. And you've talked about I know when, when we've we've talked in the past about about sourcing and, and where some of the best places that we can learn. Uh, both for for our teaching, right to help help the financial planners out there most. Uh, I know at top your list, you've you've taught me several times in the past. Go right to the code. Go right to the Internal Revenue Code. Yeah. Uh, and and yeah, I'll
1: tell you a, a great. Um, they're not paying me to say this, but I think National Underwriter <laughs> uh, is a great starting place too. I for, I I'm in my forty second year in this, right? I have had on my desk for 41 years let's say um national underwriters tax facts yeah and and so it's written in question format so you can find okay i'm looking for this piece but they always then cite the code Mm -hmm. and so i tend to go first to tax facts and then i'll go deeper into the code um and and find the actual documents and things but if you don't have tax facts as an advisor i i would seriously consider, uh, picking, picking at least tax facts up.
0: Absolutely. And, and listeners, you can't see, you can't see in, in the podcast format here, but, uh, Mike is on video and I see over his shoulder, a stack of tax facts.
1: <laughs> well, I've got the whole library going there. Uh, tax facts, uh, on, well, all of them, all three yeah. volumes. And also one of my favorite books that you actually turned me on to mm-hmm. Um, retirement Planning Guidebook by uh, Wade Fowle. Um, that is a great one if you're just moving into this arena in your practice and want to go deep, uh, deep on a lot of retirement topics. That's an excellent book. So those are things that live on my right on my desk. Yeah, and I'm in them
0: a lot. Yeah, that's great. And what's nice about the code is that if if you're looking for something in the Internal Revenue Code. Uh, Cornell Legal Universe, it's their their law school, Cornell Law School Online, has a completely free, it's public domain, um, it's, it's all interactive. So you, if you type some tax concept into a Google search, it's very likely that one of your top results is going to be going directly to that Cornell Legal Library, uh, where you can you can just scroll through and it, everything is hyperlinked. Uh, there's even a glossary in there. And it's a really valuable way to learn, uh, to learn this stuff is to see it firsthand. Um, because a lot of the, uh, I don't know if you feel this way, Mike, from my point of view, looking at some of these articles online, these secondary articles, uh, I think that are mostly geared toward the mass markets that are out there. Uh, you you lose a lot of the nuance and the, the important detail that are going to help you to make the connections better uh, when it's in the form of, of just a short three paragraph uh, article on the topic. I feel like it gets oversimplified, and um, I, I I just feel like can – I, I
1: do and, yeah. and and you know what, I won't say it's the majority of the time, but occasionally mm-hmm. something's just wrong. Yeah. In the article, it's like, whoa, whoa, wait, 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 it, it doesn't work like that, author. <laughs> uh, so you, you just can't let that be the only source uh, uh, of trying to track uh, additional information or learn something for the first time. And for, you know, tax retirement and estate planning in particular, uh, let the IRS, you know, you know really guide. And, and, and a lot of their publications are excellently done. Yeah. Uh, they, you wouldn't think of that. Um, but they are. And they've got some great examples in there and charts and things. So if you haven't given it a chance,
0: yeah, yeah
1: you know, at IRS.gov, um, I, I would encourage you to as a practitioner, but also as a CFP student. If you hey, I want to know more about this, that would be my first stop.
0: Oh, 100 percent. But what was the, uh, the the new podcast that we had talked about? Adam's Pub Crawl.
1: Yeah. 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 I mean, we kid you a lot at BIF, uh, uh you know, about your love of the uh, IRS publications, but, you, you know, I'm a fan.
0: <laughs> what? Well, they're great. They have great examples. They're really well-written.
1: <laughs> what
0: can yeah. I say? They uh,
1: really want to help
0: you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's true. I actually think that that's the, uh, the, the gold in those publications if you're a CFP student and or a practitioner, um, is is in the examples where they're they're spelling out what this tax concept is, and then they're they're putting a person on it or a taxpayer on it, and they're putting numbers to it, and you could really see how that all comes together in in their examples. And sometimes it goes way beyond the scope of what you need. Um, I'm thinking of one in particular on. Federally declared disaster sites, uh, where where there's there's a quite a bit of nuance in in how different sites are treated tax wise through the taxpayers' return, uh, but there's also some really relevant step by step breakdowns that you'll see. A good good example of that one is one on standard deductions and those those bonus standard deductions, where they really walk you through. All right. Here's someone that's 65 and older. Here's how they get tacked on that bonus standard deduction on their tax returns. Here's someone that's blind, uh, legally blind. Here's how that works. Here's someone that's legally blind and 65 and over. Yeah. Here's here's a couple, both of whom are 65 and older. One of them is legally blind. Um, so they really walk you through those situations. So I'm a big fan. I. I <laughs> and I encourage you to as well if you want to deepen your tax knowledge because that's that's always just good stuff to have.
1: Yeah, and I don't know if you're one of our CFP uh, students studying with this. I, I don't know when this this new twist will make its way into the exam, mm-hmm. but you know it's fair game. Uh, it, it, it's fair game moving forward now, and and so we need to be aware. And we absolutely are incorporating it into into our materials now um the CFP board isn't always the fastest of getting new things into the exam Mm -hmm. uh but it is fair game
0: yeah and there's there's a great one sheet that you put together on this topic uh I'd say it's it's IRS pub quality Mike (laughs) it really breaks it (laughs) down uh talks about how the treatment goes and and gives you some great application questions. So, there you go. yeah. Um, all right, I think that was a, a, a nice short but super valuable little dose for our listeners out there. Um, and as always, listeners, if you have questions for our our Biff crew, uh, please get in touch with us. Uh, just just go, drop by the the Biff site, and um, you could reach us. Uh, you could also reach us at. Uh, education-content at bostonifi.com. We'd love to hear from you. Love to hear uh, what your thoughts are about the podcast. Love to hear if you had some ideas on topics. Uh, But especially when it comes to things like this, uh, one of the benefits of working on this great team and uh, talking about this stuff day in, day out, is that we've compiled a nice library of resources that we call upon uh, as we go about our work. And we're always happy to share that with you. But uh, any parting thoughts just on this inherited IRA stuff, Mike? Before we, we call it a, an episode,
1: just be aware, you know, because this is so real for so many of our listeners and advisors and students. You know, they're in this, they're in this every day with clients. So just be aware, and uh, when in doubt, you know, pub it out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I like it. <laughs> All right, Mike. Uh, thanks for for the time. Uh, thanks for sharing this with the audience, and I'm sure. Uh, We'll be talking some more retirement and tax again.
1: Steady on, friends.